0: You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen, what a truth you reminded of, God's amazing love. Let me pray for us as we open up God's word. I'm gonna pray for us this morning from Ephesians chapter three, the same Paul that Paul prayed for the Ephesians church. I'm gonna pray for our church as we continue on in our uh, God's extravagant love series. Let's pray uh, together this morning. Father, as we... Stop now to concentrate all of our thoughts and energies on you through the Word of God. God, I pray that you would help us as a church, that you would be to us what Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, that you would grant to us to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we here today, God, may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, I pray that this becomes our reality. Father, I pray you protect us from just coming into this place and hearing a simple homily, a nice little comfortable word from you. Instead, oh God, I pray that you'd help us understand and grasp the depths of your love for us. God, I pray that you'd enlighten every single heart here to the true reality that you are real, that you are God, and that you love us, oh God. For those coming even here today for a child dedication, God, would they, would they even not just realize they came just to see some children that don't get dedicated, but God, instead would they encounter the true love of the living God? Father, for those that are coming here feeling discouraged or disconnected from your love, would you remind them again today, God, that you're a God who will never leave them or forsake them and you'll be with them every step of the way. For those coming here today, Father, that are walking in step with you, living their lives for your glory, the best we know how. Would you just help us help them, Lord, just grow in a depth or understanding of who you are and how much you love us. Oh God, I pray today that your word would take root in every single heart. We can't make this happen, oh God. That's why we're calling out to you. We're pleading with you. We're petitioning you. God, do in us today through the word of God in a supernatural way what only you can. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're visiting with us uh, for child dedications, welcome. We're really glad you're here. Uh, We're going to be studying God's Word today like we do every single week at our church. We're going to be looking at Psalms chapter 25. And so if you don't have a Bible, the ushers are coming down the rows right now. They love to put a Bible in your hands that you can follow along. I'd love for you to see that it's in God's Word, not just uh, the guy at the front is saying something of my own intellect and knowledge. So Psalm 25 is where we're going to be. And so, the practice in our church for the last six years has been to end every service with these three words that are so profoundly impactful to us. We end the service with, You are loved, reminding us how much God loves us. For this series, this God is Love series, we've been starting every service with that. So, I want to start again today with this. Brothers and sisters, do you know, do you know, you are loved? Isn't that awesome? We're loved. We need to hear that over and over, and we've been studying this as a church and trying to somehow grasp the significance of it. I think we can hear that we're loved, but do we fully understand it? I don't think I'll ever fully understand it. So we've been studying the love of God and asking God, help us know this truth in a way that we can live our lives differently than the world, in a way that sets us apart. And so we studied, for recap, for those of you who are just here today and for those who've been coming all along, we took a week off last week, so recap, here's where we've been. We started John three sixteen, studying the overwhelming love of God and how broad God's love is and how deep it is, and yet it needs to be received and embraced and accepted for you to fully understand the love of God. That's where it starts. And then we moved into uh, another passage uh, talking about how God pursues us. His love pursues us. Believe it or not, we didn't find God. God's love came after us and he sent his son from heaven to earth to come and find us and he pursued us. He sought us out that we could be children of God. Then we studied how God's love is forgiving and we learned that, man, just when you think you can outsin God's love, you realize you can't, the prodigal son. And he made a mess of his life. He was way far away, and yet God's love brought him near. It's a forgiving love. And then we learned after that, though, God's love isn't just kind of this wishy-washy, do whatever you want. I still love you, kind of love. God also has a disciplining love. Like a parent loves a child and wants to set them on the right course. So God loves us. And sometimes we need a holy, holy spanking, right? Don't we? Come on, don't we? Yeah. And so God does that to us to get us back on the right path and push us along the path that God has designed for us. And we learned uh, two weeks ago that God is a protecting love. And if we're a child of Christ, we don't have to fear. We can live our lives in complete confidence that God has us completely protected and sheltered. The passage in Psalm 91, like, like a wing shelter, like an eagle shelters its young under its wing. so God protects his children. We get this picture that God's love is astounding. God's love is truly extravagant. And say we wanna look at another aspect of that love, add on to our growing repertoire of understanding of God's love to this truth, God's love is also a guiding love. God's love is a guiding love. God doesn't just rescue us from the pit, as it says in the Psalms, and pull us out of the spiritual pit just to sit us on the side of the hole and walk away and say, now figure it out for yourself. God's love rescues us, and then He guides us all the way home, perfectly and safe. That's kind of that's kind of God you have—a God who loves you with a guiding love. A few years ago, I learned of a new app for my iPhone called the Ways app. Anyone ever heard of it? There's a little bit of unspiritual information for you today, but hopefully it'll enhance your life. I heard of the, the Waze app. It's sort of like Google Maps, except far better. So when you get in your car, you Turn the Waze app on and you type in your destination and it maps out your route for you exactly the quickest way. I'm impatient, so the quickest way to get where you need to go. You're like, well, Google Maps does that. This one's way better because it, people along the way can highlight where there's traffic jams or where there's stoppages or car accidents. And the Waze will reroute you to the fastest path possible all the time. To me, this is like a godsend. I don't have to sit in traffic. It's so good that even Waze tells you where the police are. I don't speed, of course, because I'm a pastor, right? I never would do that. Untrue. But it even tells you where the police are. And it's like the all, anytime I get in the car, even if I'm going somewhere where I know where I'm going, guess what I do? I turn Waze on because it's the ultimate car guide. And I can never go wrong with Waze. Except here's the reality. In God, through Jesus Christ, believers, do you understand this? We have something far better than ways to lead us and to guide us in our lives. Every step of the journey, we have God's word and his Holy Spirit to guide us along on our journey towards heaven. I'm not telling you that God's going to navigate you around all of the hardships and all the potholes, but here's the thing. God will even guide you through those things because he loves you so deeply and so deeply and so intensely, it's a truth of God's love that we can't over, that we can't skip over this morning. God's love guides you every step of the way. I don't know about you, but so often in my weeks, I find myself in places where I'm, I'm looking for guidance, and I need to know the answer. I don't know what to do. Everything from those little daily grind decisions to those monumental life-altering ones. I, I need guidance, I need guidance. Guess what? God guides you through all of those decisions. God guides you through the moral dilemmas that you face in your workplace every week and the family relationship decisions you have to make. God guides you through those. God promises to guide you through every crisis and every unexpected turn. As believers, we have no reason to fear anymore because God will guide us through. This is what Psalm chapter 25 teaches us. Psalm chapter 25 is a Psalm of David. It says it right at the top. That's how I know I'm not super smart. See that? Psalm 25 of David Some of these psalms, we don't know who wrote them. This psalm, we know who wrote it. David wrote it. Uh, Wrote it in a time when he was probably in a really bad spot, a time after his fiasco with Bathsheba. He sinned, clearly, running on the run, people after him. There's enemies lurking everywhere. There's uncertainty. He pens this psalm from the heart. It's a psalm that expresses kind of a lament of like, how'd I get here, O God? But I know that you're gonna get me through a song of lament, but also a psalm of guidance and ultimate submission to want to do whatever God asks, however he desires, and submit himself to the will of God. So ultimately, Psalm 25 is a prayer of confidence and deliverance. And before I read it here, just a a geek theology tidbit. It's also an acrostic, this psalm. As you study this, it's interesting this is an acrostic with each verse beginning with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So I guess David has some time on his hands. He kind of wrote out the Hebrew alphabet and wrote a, 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 a phrase of this psalm from each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, but ultimately this is a psalm that, look at this, it starts and ends with this word, trust. Starts and ends in verse two and verse 21 with trust and a confidence that God will never let us down as he leads us through life. Let me read this. And then we're gonna unpack it for us and try and capture with me the essence of the emotion of the passage, not just a, hmm, this is an interesting piece of history literature. This is, there's some emotion in here that applies to our hearts. Psalm 25, to you, O Lord. Remember where he is, this time of uncertainty and attack. I lift up my soul, O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame, let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed none who wait for you shall be put to shame they shall be but they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous then verse 4 he pleads with the lord make me to know your ways o lord teach me your paths lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the god of my salvation for you i wait all the day long remember your mercy o lord and your steadfast love for they have been from old Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Remember me, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord, please remember me. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Get this, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. For those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. This is the word of God for you and I today. And here's the first thing you can write down as we think about God's guiding love. Number one is this, I can trust God with my whole life. I can trust God with my whole life. This is really the crux of this whole piece of of poetry. David's saying for sure, I know that I can put my life in God's hands no matter what happens. Adversaries may be lurking around, in the, around the corner in the shadows. Circumstances may be bleak, but in all things I can turn to God and trust in prayer. Look at some of the words that he uses in just the first three verses of this. Where do we turn when it's hard? Where do we turn when we don't know what to, to do? Look at, I turn to, to you, O oh Lord, David says. I lift up my soul. Oh my God, circle this, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame, God. Let all my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall ever be put to shame. They shall be ashamed of those, but those who are, shall be ashamed are those who are wantonly treacherous. See those words? To you and, and in you and for you. Verse two, he's turning to the Lord. Verse one, he's turning to the Lord. He's saying, Oh my God. And it's not like the curse. You know, we often hear that in a curse phrase, right, in a curse, now, this, is, this is more of a like, oh my God, like where do I turn but you, Lord, Jehovah, the one who is above all things, the one who exists as I am, the existing one. Seems pretty basic to me to tell you this, but do you realize as you walk through your life, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, the first place you can turn in no matter what's happening is to the same God? It's to the same Lord. You can look at the God of the heavens and you can call out to Him in a personal way. Notice that word. Oh, my God. It's personal. It's 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 suggesting intimacy and closeness. You realize that you have this same God that you can call out to. A God who is in control, a God who is who cares for you, a God who is close to you, a God who's is concerned. Get this, this same God above all is concerned about everything that happens in your life. This is our joyful confidence as believers. This is our, this is our joy that we can look and we have a God who's for us and not against us. And you know, really what this passage is teaching is that, yeah, the enemies might win the battle, but they will never win the war. Our enemies might win the battle as believers, but they will never win the war. And, and when we look to God, We're never gonna have to walk around ashamed or in shame again. Think of that word, ashamed. Now people wanna make us feel ashamed. The enemy wants to pound us with shame and we sometimes walk around like this, but with with God we don't have to walk around, we can walk around heads held high every time and trust with a capital T that God is in control. I read this and I think we know this and we know that we're supposed to turn to God. We know we can turn to God. But let me ask you this, as you think about your own lives, where do you put your confidence? Honestly, where do you put your confidence when it comes to your guidance, making decisions or, or your hope and your help? Where do you put your confidence? We all know the Sunday school answer, right? Sunday school answer, Jesus. God, of course. But how does that play out in your life every day? I think a lot of times we walk around in fear of enemies and in shame because we forget that, that the first place we look to for confidence and guidance is God. And so here's three, three places we generally put our confidence really quickly. We put it in ourselves. And all we claim that God leads us, here's what really guides our decisions, here's what really guides our lives. It's, it's my own feelings, right? So many people, it's my feelings. It just feels right, and so it feels right, and so if it feels right, it can't be wrong, I must do it. We put our confidence in our own logic, well, it makes sense to me, so it's gonna work out. And I can live my life by what makes sense to me. Let me ask you this. How many times has your feelings and your logic gotten you your place of like, oh my goodness, it felt right at the beginning of this whole process, and at the end, I'm in the wrong place. Ever gotten there? Or, oh my goodness, it made so much sense now. Now how did I get here? What in the world? That's why they say hindsight's always twenty twenty. Because we can't trust in our own feelings. They're fickle. They're like a toilet seat up and down all day. We can't trust our own logic, it's only limited. So we know that's so what do we do. We go to family and friends, and we go to those that we trust around us who love us and care for us. The problem is, the problem is they're humans too. And they can't see the, the whole thing. And, and they give us their best wisdom. And how many times you got wisdom from somebody that you thought was for you, and only to find out that was the worst piece of advice I ever got in my whole life. Ever been there? They mean well, but pff, blew that one. Because <laughs> we can't even put our hope in people because they don't get us. So what do we do? We I can't believe how many Christians even do. This. We turn to experts, Oprah. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Doctor Phil and Doctor Ruth and Doctor This or Doctor That, and they might give us some little tidbits. And oh, that sounds kind of cool. But but do they? Can they really give us the guidance to life that we so desperately need? Not a chance. There's only one person in this world that can give us the guidance in life that we ultimately desire and desperately need. That's God Himself. Why is that? Because God's all wisdom. It says in Isaiah 40, who can counsel the Lord? Who can counsel the Lord? Nobody. He, he is a source of all wisdom. He is the, the essence of all wisdom. And get this, God's not only the source of all wisdom. God has the drone's view of your life. He's got the drone's view of your life. We can only see one hill at a time. We can't see around the corner. God's looking at it from here going like, I know exactly what's happening from start to finish. I know everything that's going on in that life. And so where do we turn? Where can we turn? We turn to God. We can trust God with our whole lives as we walk through this life, to guide us. One of our elders says this all the time. He says this, Jesus is an all-the-way-home savior. In other words, when Jesus saves us, he doesn't just leave us on our own. Okay, now figure it out, guys. He gets us from where we are to where we need to be, ultimately, to heaven every single time. Listen to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13. This is the confidence we can have in God, the same confidence the Old Testament Israelites had. We know their lives didn't work out perfectly for sure, but man, that God's protected them and saved them. And God, listen to Isaiah fifty eight eleven, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. This is God's promise to his kids. He will guide us continually. Pressure's off me to try and figure it out. Thank the Lord for that, Amen. Got someone better than my friends to figure it out, even smarter than the experts. I have God who promises to guide me continually satisfy even our desires with good things, making us strong. All this is showing us that really God is all we need. God's guidance is all we need. We don't need to go to other places for guidance. We gotta go to God. And when we go to God, he is all I need to get me through this life. The next few verses here, verses four and five, are a desperate plea for God to lead. Again, try and, again, picture where David is. It's, he's probably in the worst place of his life. He's probably in this place where like, life stinks. How to get myself here? All the decisions I made, they were bad. And so look what he comes up with like, oh my goodness, I'm so good at making a mess of my life, me too. So he comes to this place where he's like, what I need more than anything else is simply God. It's a desperate plea here, try and capture the emotion. So God, my way hasn't worked yet, so make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, lead me in your truth, and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. It's really a plea in this text for divine instruction. See those words, show me teach me, guide me, teach me. So he got to this place where he's like, I'm tired of doing it myself. I've made a mess of it, God, you know it. And so he's in a place where he's like, I'm ready to turn my life over to the one who actually knows best and has my best at heart. And So it's almost like, okay, God, like, like I'm done, God. Take me by the hand, like drive the car, steer the ship, put the wind in the sails, however you want to say it, but I'm done being king of this this life. You need to be king now. I want you to lead me and I want you to guide me. I want my life to be found in your favor, guided down your path and consistent with your desires. In every circumstance, I want God and not me. Honestly, I read this and and I think, man, this should be the daily prayer of every believer's life, shouldn't it? Shouldn't this be the daily prayer of every believer's life? You with me? Help me. Teach me. Lead me. In every decision, this should be the cry of every believer's life. I think think our, our, our tendency is to, okay, big ones, like, yes, God, big ones, help me. Small ones, I got this one. I don't need you, God. How did I get here? And you can imagine the difference in your life if you would wake up every morning and pray this prayer. God, just help me know your ways today. Teach me your paths. I want to walk in your path, not my path. I want to live in accordance with your will. I think a lot of times believers pray this prayer. We pray, because we know we're supposed to. It's a Christian prayer. It's the right prayer. Oh, Lord, may your will be done. But deep down in our hearts, you know what we're saying? Oh, Lord, may my will be done. Haven't you consulted your will yet, but I want my will to be done. So here's how most Christians live their lives, to be honest. It's not like, okay, God, here we are. You lead, I'll follow. It's more like, hey, God, I'm going this direction. Can you come alongside and behind me and bless me, please? Oh, yeah, in, in the guise of your leading. Going here, going there. Come on, Lord, come on. And yet David flips it upside right for us. He's praying this prayer. He's like, hey, if I go on my own, I know that's going to lead to nothing good. So, God, your will be done. And guess what? This is a prayer that God's going to answer every time. God's not going to be like, I'm mm, sorry, too busy for that prayer. God's going to, you start, stop, and pray. God, will you lead me today? Will you lead me in this decision, in this heart? Will you lead me? Guess what God's going to do? Absolutely, 100% every time. What is he going to say? You guys don't know. What's he going to say? Yes. I thought you knew. Yes. Yes. If you look back to the Old Testament, here's what God did with his people. He didn't just call them his people, he led them every step of the way. Remember the, the Israelites leaving Egypt? Remember Pharaoh and all that stuff? They were under oppression and they were getting pummeled and they started running away and in the wilderness, right? How did they know where to go in the wilderness? They didn't have any roadmaps or any ways or GPS. how do they know where to go? Here's how they knew, Exodus 13, 21. There was a pillar of cloud by day and, a cloud and fire by night to lead his people. God leads his people and delights in guiding his people by his everlasting love. This is an awesome truth that I think we're like, oh yeah, we get that. But think about that for a minute. Think about how amazing that is for your life and my life. You don't need to consult the latest, greatest seven-step strategy to make wise choices. There's tons of books on this stuff. You don't need Forbes five simple steps to improve your decision-making. God's got something better for you than all those things. And he wants to show you his path for your life in his way. The ways analogy is so weak because it's not living, it's not active, it's not personal. We have a personal God who wants to walk with us and lead us. And he wants us to know his path for our lives. I know you guys are thinking, well then, okay, pastor, tell me, tell me how we can know his path. Get, get this, God's shown us in his word the, the path and five ways that God shows us how we can live our lives and know his way every single stage of life and every single circumstance I've taken these from a commentator named Nikki Gumbel out of the One Year Bible. I've taken the headings because they're said much more slick than I could say them. But I put the meat behind them of, of how, they can, how they play out and where scripture brings us. So how do I know God's path? Number one is this. It's from the commanding scripture from the Bible. From It's the word of God. Again, it seems so basic, but it's from the word of God. We hold in our hands every time we pick it up the living and active word of God. This isn't a book that somebody made up. There's more proof for this book than half the people in history that we believe are true and yet somehow we think, oh, this comes in second. This is first, this is prominent and preeminent in our lives as believers, it's the word of God. We stand in it, we, we, we study it and we let this lead us and guide us. And you know what the word of God teaches us about how we can know the will of God? Here's where it starts. It starts with knowing Jesus as my personal savior. It's the gospel, it starts with us humbling ourselves and saying, I cannot do this life on my own, I need God's help. But it starts with us realizing that we are sinners. Anyone here sinned this past week? Come on, everyone get their hands up so we know we're not all alone. There we go, all of us. Recognize the fact that I am a sinner. I have, in my own nature, I just do wrong things and I seem to, every time I try and do right, still do wrong and this sin separates me from a holy God who is perfect and upright and just in all his ways and there's no way to bridge this gap. I, Pure God, impurity, can't connect. What does that leave me? It leaves me lost and destitute without God. But Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sin, to say, oh, I'll take their sin upon me. I'll take the punishment they deserve, death. I'll take it that they might live. And he reconciles us. He gives us a right relationship with God. That's where our guidance with God starts. If you don't have Jesus, you don't, won't have God's guidance. You just simply won't. You could say a few prayers in times of trouble, and guess what? There's no connection. You're way over here. God's way over there. And so that's the first place where guidance starts. I need a savior. Savior is Jesus. Now I have God. Now I have a connection with guidance, to God's guidance. God says from there in his word that his word is, Psalm 119, 105, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Once we have Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and the first thing the Holy Spirit does is give us a hunger for the word of God. You didn't have that on your own. The Holy Spirit made that happen in you. So now when you pick up God's word, it, it becomes more than just a textbook. It becomes alive, and all of a sudden you see, like, this is God's plan for my life, and it becomes a light onto our path. Picture, picture camping in your tent, have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Ever happened? What do you first thing you look for? Your flashlight, right? So you can see the way to the restrooms, that becomes God's word for your life in a dark. That is God's word for your life in a dark world. It becomes a light unto our path. We don't know where to go. We can't see. God's word helps us see the path to God. And everything you need to know about life will come from the Word of God. Oftentimes, I think the decisions we make we're like, "Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" It's so clear in the Word of God. And people come. What's the biggest question I have as a pastor? Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Well, what are you wrestling with? They'll tell me, and I'll be like, well, that's a simple one. It's right here in God's word. You looked at God's word. Oh, I didn't think about that. First place we start for finding the, the, the guidance of God is his word. And some things you don't even have to think about. You just see God seeing it in his word. You, you, just, have, you just do it. How do I respond when my coworker or neighbor is nasty? How do I respond? What do I do? I'm, so what do I do? You show them kindness and love is what God's word says. I'm so struggling. I'm so struggling. I just don't know. Like this person's hurt me so deeply, and do I forgive him? What do I do with that? What does God's word say? So you don't have to wrestle with that one. You forgive him with the grace of God. Well, I got this, this dilemma. I just don't know sure what to do. What's God's will for me? And my friend is caught in this great turmoil of sin. What do I do? Well, again, simple one. You confront them in truth and love, and help them see their error of their ways. Well, I don't know, I got this, this big decision, like, do I serve at church or do I not? Well, that's another no-brainer. God says we're a part of the body of Christ, and said, what, what part of your body do you sit over in the corner and not use? Like, we're all, sometimes I think we make it so complicated. It's spelled out for us in the word of God. If we just believe it and do it. Ah, guidance, the path of blessing. Here's a second way that God laid out for us in his word, that and these all are intermingled, by the way. They all go hand in hand and hand in hand, these five things. You can't have any one of these separate. It starts with the word of God. Second was is the compelling spirit, the Holy Spirit. I get it. Some of you are like, well, that's good for the things that are in the Bible. What about things that aren't in the Bible? I get it. I'm not dumb. I don't know where to go to school. I don't know who to marry. I don't know what house to buy. I don't know what college to go to, all that stuff. Here's the great thing about God. When, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he actually gives us not something, but someone to live inside of us to help us make decisions and guide us in life. In fact, John 16, verse seven says, it's to our advantage that Jesus Christ leaves this earth. Can you imagine his disciples hearing that? What? I get to walk with Jesus and every question I have, like, hey, Jesus, what do you think of that? And he's like, well, that's an easy answer. To me, that's a, that's a win, right? Having Jesus right beside me. How comforting would that be? Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, God's gonna not give you someone to walk with you. He's gonna give you someone to live within you, the Holy Spirit. John 14, six tells us the Holy Spirit is our helper. Get it? Helper, I don't need help. Yes, you do. Helper forever. Here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He never goes on break, never misses a meeting or shows up late and he always has the exact right advice for the right circumstance at the right time every single time. Here's, here's what God's given us, the Holy Spirit, to nudge us, to lead us, to open our eyes to see things, to, to point us in the right direction, to give us peace, to make things clear. Don't let peace be the be on the end-all, though, because I've heard so many people say, well, it's, I have peace, it must be the Holy Spirit. No, that, that, that'd be you, because you want what you desire. But the Holy Spirit gives us God's peace, lasting peace, and he helps you live your life. Here's a third thing. The counsel of the saints... Or the church. Proverbs eleven verse fourteen says this: "Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety." Here is one thing I hear all the time when people ask for wisdom or advice. Here is what they. Here is what I hear. I need some wisdom advice, but you ultimately don't know because who knows? Who's the only person that we're taught knows what's best for our life? Who's the only person? Me, right. So somehow in our culture we've got this idea that that I'm the only one who I'll listen to a point but also if I don't agree I'm not gonna follow you but I make my choices. I'm my person. I know. You know what the Bible tells us? That God has surrounded us with people also filled with the Holy Spirit to help us make wise choices as we live our lives for the glory of God. There's safety in getting like Four or five different, six different perspectives of mature believers who don't just be like, oh, I love you so much, tell you whatever you want to hear. Not that type of maturity, not that type of wisdom. But wisdom is in like, I will tell you what's right and what's good and godly for your life, even if you don't want to hear it. There's so much value in that. We need to take advantage of that, brothers and sisters. This individualistic society we live in is crushing us. And we're missing the fullness of what God has for us. If you don't have, if you don't have believers in your life that are mature enough to help you, like we have small group leaders, we have flock leaders, we have elders, we have staff, we have pastors that will be more than willing to help you, guide you in your life. J.I. Packer says this in his book, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Don't be a spiritual lone ranger. Draw on the wisdom of those who are wiser than you are and take advice. If you're sitting here thinking, there's no one wiser than me, think again. Think again. Fourth one, common sense, reason. I love this. There's something God's given you, every human being, that is astounding. You know what it's called? A brain to use in making decisions. Word of God, Holy Spirit, wise counsel, use your brains. Sometimes we make things so complicated, just no-brainers. There's just some things, honestly, I get it, common sense isn't that common anymore, I get it but there's some things you don't, you don't need to think about. <laughs> well, I don't know what to do. I, I have this house that I want to buy and I can't afford it. What should I do? Man, I've always wanted this car and it's way out of my reach, but do you think I should get it? I got these friends and they're leading me totally down the wrong path and they're, and they're degrading me and, and, and they're not good for me. I don't know what to do with it. Common sense goes a long way. Aren't we thankful God gave us brains to think and to use? It's a blessing of God that we need to use in making wise choices. What do I do about this job? It doesn't pay the bills. Do I take it? Some things are just easy to figure out, and God's giving the brains to do it. Here's the last one circumstantial signs, providence. You know, sometimes you find God's path for your life just because you find yourself in a circumstance that, wow, how did I get here? What, what in the world? I, I didn't plan to change towns and my boss came in and put a transfer sheet on my desk. I got one option, take the job and move or not. Is this God's will? Clearly. You wake up one morning at 40 years old and realize your wife's pregnant. Is that, anyone been through that lately? Hello? <laughs> you have to wonder if that's God's will for my life. I don't understand it. It's making me have heart palpitations right now. But clearly, it's God's will. God sometimes allows circumstances to come into our lives. The business opportunity that you prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and the phone call came and you weren't even looking, is that God's circumstantial provision for you? It may be so. Do you realize in the whole book of the Old Testament, God was always, always providing for his people through circumstances. Just so happened to stumble onto this or into this. And was it, it did anything just so happen in God's economy? Never. Every circumstance of your life is by God's design. There's five ways that you can know God's leading and guidance. All of that surrounded in prayer. Starts with the Word of God, right? Starts with the Word of God surrounded in prayer. And look what it says here. What's the last line of verse five? Here's why I think we miss God's guidance so much in our lives as believers. It's there. No, I don't feel it. I've never seen it. It's there. You know why we miss it? Here's why. Look what the last line is. For you I, what's the word? Yeah, I hate that word too. You don't want to say it, do you? Hey, yeah, you don't want to say it. It's true though. It's in the Bible. But look at this. For you I, all day long. For those of you who are struggling, like, I, I, I believe that God wants to leave. I've never, you know why you probably have never experienced God's leading? Because you don't wait for God. God calls us to wait for him. And when it says all day long, it doesn't mean like 24 hours. Well, I'm done waiting. I'm gonna do my own thing now. Guess he wasn't answering. No, it means wait. It means sit there and, and call out to God again the same way David did. Make me know your paths, oh God. Show me your ways. Come on, God. Come on, God. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You wait long enough, God will answer. Do you realize even in the waiting, God's probably answering your prayer? Obviously, it's not time to move yet. Obviously, not, that prayer's not to be meant, meant to be answered yet. God has something bigger and better to figure out in your life or in somebody else's life in the meantime. Wait, 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 wait. What if he doesn't answer? What if he doesn't make it clear? He will, as you wait upon him. How many times does wait in the Bible and patience is a, actually a fruit of the Spirit? Wait upon the Lord. Let's get out of this fast food mentality when it comes to God. I prayed, he didn't answer, doing my thing. Wait. God has a plan that's better than yours, guaranteed, and he will lead you for sure as you wait upon him. A Couple quick things here. The last two points are gonna be rather quick, so get your pens ready. Notice this, too, as you th- consider what God's plan is for your life and how God's leading you and guiding you. You have to know this in God's divine providence for your life. Number three, God's goodness always leads me far away from sin. God's goodness always leads me far away from sin. God is never gonna lead you in a way that's contrary to the word of God. It's kind of a weird transition here from verses five to six. He's in this like, like show me, God, show me. Then he goes into like, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Look what he says. Remember your mercy, O Lord. Remember David's sin? It was a gross one. We'd be like, man, that guy's never gonna come to your God again. God forgave him, right? And basically what he's saying, is, he remember your mercy. Remember how you've forgiven me, God? Remember your steadfast love for me, the, the love I thought gave up, and, and you never gave up? the ones that have been there from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Please forget all the Bathsheba stuff and all the other things I've done. According to your steadfast love, just remember me, O God, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. God, would you lead me, basically what he's saying, in spite of my failures? Please don't look at me for who I was, the things I've done, but look at me for, for who I am, just seeking your face and who you're making me to be. You know why he's praying this? Because he realizes, he realizes that to clearly be led by God and and have the guidance of God, you can't be living in sin. Guide me, guide me, guide me. If you're praying that prayer and you're over here going like, indulging, indulging, indulging me in sin. God's God's like, yes, if you're a Christian, you're still loved by God, but here's the reality. Our sin Creates a distance between us and God that we can't hear His voice any longer. We can't see clearly the way God has for us. And so, so this is just simply a plea of, like, God, God, help me. Don't give up on me because of my sin. But it says, lead me in your paths that every time will lead me far away from sin. Basically, what it's saying here is, God, for the sake of your goodness, O oh Lord, goodness is. Could be God's middle name. God is good. And not only does He forgive us our sin, He also leads us in a way to steer us from future sin. Sometimes we think, oh, God forgives me for my sin. Yeah, God does. But don't forget this God also leads me away from my future sin. Not just my former sins are forgiven, He leads me away from future sin. Think of even the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me of my debt as I forgive those who also have, debt, have, have sinned against me. And lead me not into temptation, but what? Deliver me from evil. You just have to know this as you seek God's will. God will never lead you towards sin. Ever. If, here's what I've heard more often I like to, to, to account for in, in, as people coming in wanting guidance. Somehow we've got this idea that God loves me. And if God loves me, he wants me to be happy. You ever heard this? So God loves me. He wants me to be happy. So, so whatever it takes to get to my happiness, God's okay with because he just loves me. You ever heard that? That's absurd. God loves you too much just to let you sit in whatever you think in your flesh makes you happy. God's love leads you not to happiness, but to holiness. Because it's only living in holiness do you find your true happiness and your true joy and your true satisfaction. God loves you and wants you to be happy, but you're only gonna find your happiness in holiness in him. Let me put it to you this way. God will never lead you in a way that's gonna be destructive to your soul. Why does the Bible full of commands? To limit us or to give us freedom to live life in God's way? To limit, to, to free us to live, live life in God's way. God will never lead you in a way that's gonna bring detriment to you or others. When we were in Israel a, number, a couple of years ago, uh, we stopped on the roadside to take these pictures of the scenery and the first place we stopped, there was a fence, and it was clearly a fence you don't climb over, because it had barbed wire and everything, and there's a little sign in the field that's a little bit beyond. So we got our little happy pictures by whatever the monument we were taking, whatever, and, and the guy was with us, like, you know what that sign says? It was in, you know, Israeli, I have no idea what it says, he says, minefield, <laughs> left over from all the wars, right? And I was like, well, that's crazy. So like there's still active living mines, like like 20 feet from me. He's like, absolutely. You know, you know where I stood for the rest of the pictures, that the fence was there? I stood over here. <laughs> like, I didn't want to get close to that thing. And nothing would ever make me jump that fence and wander through that minefield. Just, I, would, I wouldn't do it. Unless I had a guide with me who could detect and detonate those mines, who could lead me around the mines. And, and, and only, if my life if my life, if I had to jump over that fence, the only way I'd do it was someone with me that knew what was going on. Here's the deal. Satan has planted all kinds of minds in the field that we call life that we have to walk through. And God has clearly marked for us where every one of those minds sit in his word. Here's every sin that's in his word is because God knows it's gonna just, dis- you step on that one and And so God's marked them, and he knows how to how to, de- how to not detonate, what's the word? Diffuse, thank you, diffuse them. And he will never, God will never lead you into sin. Like a general would never lead his troops into step on a landmine, God will never ever lead you into sin. You just have to know this as you discern God's leading for your life. I've heard far too often, this is God's will, and it can't be God's will, it's sin. It's it's crushing your soul, you don't even realize it. Oh, well, pastor, I didn't plan to fall in love with my spouse and in love with this person. It must be okay, it's It's not. Clearly from Matthew 19, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Oh, but I prayed, Pastor, and I really I really uh, needed the extra money and God helped me find a loophole in the counting system so I can not necessarily lie and cheat, but it's a loophole and it's not, that's not of God. God will never lead you to a place where you're stealing and lying. Well, I know that I shouldn't have these revenge motives, but God gave me the perfect scenario to get revenge. That's not God for sure. How about this one? I've just been praying so hard and God's leading me away from church, the body of believers. Impossible. God will never lead you to a place contrary to his will. And what's God's will for your life? It tells us in Hebrews chapter 10. Don't neglect meeting together, not just like buddies at the coffee shop, but under the church, the called out ones, that God has set up for us with elders and leaders, don't neglect meeting together as in the, as some are in the habit of, but encourage one another all the more near, all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day of Christ's return. It's an important reality that I know it should be unspoken, but it's just true. Sometimes we need to be reminding you of the true things, right? So what do you do if you find yourself even living in God's will, but you find yourself in sin? Here's a simple answer. Realize you stepped on a landmine. Your, your legs are blown off spiritually and you need someone to rescue you. And here's the thing about Jesus. He's the eternal medic that's always there to, res- to come and rescue you and heal you and make you well again. Call out to Jesus today and say, Jesus, I thought I was following you. I am in sin and I know it. I need rescue today and repent of that sin. Turn from it and turn to Jesus. He will forgive you and restore you in his grace. Some probably need to hear that today. There's repentance that needs to happen in this place. Repentance isn't a bad word, it's a good word. Others of you, I'm sure, are sitting on the cusp of like, I know I'm not supposed to, I know it's not of God, but it feels so right, it feels so right, it feels so right. Just put that to rest right now. If it's not according to God, it's not right. It doesn't matter how it feels, it's not right. Don't do it, turn around, get people around you to pray for you, put safeguards in your place, don't do it, please. Too much damage for your soul and others around you. You can't hear from God with sin. Here's what Randy Alcorn says: God's grace never encourages us to live in sin. On the contrary, it empowers us to say no to sin and yes to truth. And that's where you'll we'll find the life of Jesus. Last one, number four: God's path is always good and upright. God's path is always good and upright. Look at, I took that right from the text. Again, I'm not super smart here. I'm not trying to dazzle you with my intelligence. Verse eight, good and upright is the Lord. Good and upright is God. This is who God is. He's good and he's upright. Therefore, he instructs sinners according to that way, his nature, his character. He leads the humble in what is right. And he teaches the humble his way. All, how much? All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. God is always gonna lead you in what is good and upright. 3 John verse four, I have no greater joy than this than to hear that my children are walking in the light. That's that's our greatest desire as parents to see our children doing what's right and growing in truth. This is God's greatest desire that we walk in the truth in good ways, in upright ways. This is how God will always instruct you. His ways are unlike your ways in the natural realm. His ways are unlike the world's ways. It's kind of like upside down kingdom. But know this, he always instructs his own in what is right. Because he deals with his kids justly and lovingly and faithfully. And he knows our best is to imitate him. God wants to teach us the right way to live that will be successful in his kingdom. I'm always teaching my kids how to play sports. And, and how to throw the ball right, how to shoot a, how to shoot a th- hold a hockey stick in a baseball bat and my youngest son, I'm trying to teach him right now, I'm trying to teach him, when you throw a baseball, you don't lead with the same foot that you're throwing with, you know what I mean? It just doesn't work but he's so determined, he's gonna like lead with this foot and throw too. I keep trying to teach him, this one and, and he can't get it and, and he gets so frustrated and he just looks at me and he's like whatever and he actually gets the ball and he whips it straight at me, just even harder trying to prove his point, you know? He's a stubborn little fella. But why am I teaching them that? To frustrate him because his, I just want to see him struggle about putting the left foot first instead of the other. Not at all. Why am I teaching him that? Because I want him to, to succeed at it. I want him to be decent at it. And yet it takes a humble heart to learn, right? It's so hard teaching our kids, right? Because they don't want to learn from their parents. I think that's sort of our hearts with our Heavenly Father. He comes alongside, he's, he's showing us, he's trying to show us, he's trying to show us the proper technique for living in a marriage. He's trying to show us what, it, what it's up and down. He's trying to show us how to, that we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church and husbands, and wives you're supposed to submit to your husband as, as, as Christ calls us to. He's trying to show us the proper technique. He's trying to show us the proper technique often to how to raise our kids. I don't want to be taught on, Got it figured out. He's trying to show us the proper technique of how to how to think the right thoughts. Philippians 4.8, right? Think about these things, children, things that are right and noble and true. He's, he's trying to show us the, the right technique for our character, what our character is supposed to look like. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience and self-control. What's God trying to do? He's just trying to teach us in a way that will be successful for him and for his glory. He wants to teach us right actions. It says in 1 John 2 6 that if you follow Jesus, get this. You need to walk as Jesus walked. You need to walk as Jesus walked. Not doing that. He's not trying to frustrate you. He's not trying to make your life difficult. He's trying to free you and teach you what it is to live the abundant life that He promised when He came to save us. You can circle this word and close in closing the last two verses nine and ten humble. He leads the humble in what is right. Notice this. You wanna be guided by God? You gotta lose your stubborn pride. You gotta lose your like, I got this figured out, God. I know what I'm doing. You gotta lose that. Not doing it your way this time. My way, you gotta lose that because he only leads the humble and he leads them in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. I know it's contrary to what we think and what we feel, but there's, there's no sweeter place to be and humbly, not asking God to follow us, not asking God, to, that never works. Has never ever worked for you? It's never worked for me, because I'm still leading, and I always still find the, find the, I find the puddle, I find the pothole, I find whatever. But when God leads, it's a whole different story. It's the sweetest place to be. It's the safest place to be. It's the most joyful place to be. The pressure's off of us. The, the joy fills us. We know we're covered. We know we got one going before us who, who he's got everything figured out. God calls us to humbly follow and if you do, get this, life's not gonna be easy. There's no guarantees of that. But you can never go wrong. You can never go wrong. Jesus saved us from the pit, not just to sit us at the side of the pit, to figure it out from there, but he leads us through the dark forest all the way home. You know what we do? We stay right behind our leader and our guide. You'll never go wrong. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let me close with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Amen. This is a truth that you can bank on as you live your life for the glory of God. Let me pray for you and with you. God, what a, what a compelling scripture you've given us today in Psalm chapter 25. I, prom, I thank you, Lord, that you're, for your promise that your word never returns void. God, I'm sure that, that, that I needed to hear this word this past week. I'm sure that there's people in this room that needed to hear your word. God, I pray specifically for three different types of people that are here to hear your word today. God, those that are here, that are not being guided by you and and know they're not and don't wanna be guided by you. God, I pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that you'd help them see the glory of a Jesus who came to save them from their sins and then to help them walk through this life in a way that is going to steer them clear of sin and put them on a path to heaven. Oh God, today would you give faith to that person who's here that doesn't believe in Jesus and doesn't wanna believe in Jesus because they wanna do life their way And on their terms, oh God, help them see that there's a greater way. It's with the king of kings. It's with the God of the universe caring for them and leading them through. Oh God, would you be so gracious to even help one or two here today see the reality of? they need a savior. There's no other way to live this life than with Jesus. God, I pray for those here today that know these truths, but somehow in their hearts they have strayed far from them. And God, they've been saying that you've been leading their lives, but really the truth is they've been leading their lives, asking you to be a part of it, and they've gotten themselves in a mess. Oh, God, I pray today that you'd help them see the path out of the mess starts at the cross and ends at the cross. God, I pray you'd help them confess their sin right now before you, and God, lead them out of their sin, I pray. Heal them from their sin. God, may they not walk out of this place today determined that they're going to lead their lives on their own, but God, they leave this place saying, I want to follow and get behind Jesus and let him lead. Oh God, would you be so gracious to convict of sin that you give us true repentance today that we might be renewed in the grace of God. Father, I pray for those that are striving to live this, uh, not perfectly, none of us by far, but they're, we're striving, Lord waking up in the morning and saying this prayer, God, lead me, you, your life, Lord, not mine. God, I pray, protect them. The enemy's gonna want nothing more than to kill and steal and destroy and, and, and be all over them. Protect them, God. Give them strength, Father. Give them hope. Meet them, God, on a daily basis where they are. And God, help them to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Help them to not grow tired and weary of doing good. But instead, even right now, God, renew in them a desire. I just want to live my life for the glory of God. God following Jesus Christ. Oh God, would you be our guide? You're the best guide. You're the only guide. Would you be our guide for every soul in this place? We need you, Lord. We need you and we desperately want you. Thank you for your overarching love for us that even includes your guiding love. In Jesus' name, amen.